in Arizona, 20% of your tags are going to go to your highest point holders, and then 80% of the tags are going to go random, which is is crazy. That's like basically opposite of how every other state operates, right. where the vast majority of your tags in Arizona are going to the random draw. What that means is when you're looking at draws um, for a given hunt, there's going to be a certain point level where there is a 100% draw. Meaning that if you have this amount of points and you put in for this tag, you know, you're going to draw this tag. But below that 100%, you're going to have a random odd, which is all those 80% of the tags that are then drawn out. If you are a guy that's like unit 10 early archery is the Arizona elk hunt for me and there's no other hunt that's going to, you know, satisfy it, don't list a second choice hunt because yeah. like it's high likelihood you might draw that in the process of doing this. You know, so yeah, you, you know, you got to use a little bit of, you know, tack going in Arizona and kind of figure that out. But having those two hunt choice options, it, it adds kind of an interesting, you know, part to your, to your application strategy. For me, I really like Wyoming general elk tags. It's generally taking around four to five points. Uh, I think this year was at the less than five point level. You know, so for me, I'm not going to apply to Wyoming until I have five points or I have a buddy with more points than me and we average out with the party for it. I found like as I've gotten older that like a lot of it is is more based on the experience for me. You know, like I'm more apt to shoot a smaller deer sometimes, you know, farther away from the truck simply because it was that much harder to get to it. You know, and I get a lot more joy and excitement out of that versus you shoot one off the side of the road or, you know, whatever, just to fill a tag. Sure. Hey guys, I want to start off by thanking you for keeping me on the air since 2004. I'm trying to keep everything fresh and keep bringing you content that is both enjoyable and informational. So if you can help me out by hitting me up on Instagram or Facebook and giving me some suggestions for guests, topics, and questions, I'd really appreciate it. Also, you've heard me say this, but please, 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 please take a few moments to give me a review on iTunes. It's so important to keeping me on the air. So if you want this podcast to stick around, please get on there and drop me a line. Lastly, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Been the title sponsor of the show for a long time. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20% on everything they offer. All right, let's get into this next episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, we're going to talk to you, Dave Barnett. We are going to discuss Arizona elk draw or elk and antelope. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Wyoming as well because those are the two draws coming up that are, I would say, probably the, the, the hot ticket anyway. Uh, Alaska is also coming up, but it's not uh, – I covered that in, in, in one of the episodes previous to this, and uh, I don't know. We might touch on it. We'll see. How's it going, man? <laughs> Doing great, man. Doing really good. It's hard to believe we're uh, we're talking about app strategies for next hunting season already. I know, man. I feel like this year it went by. It went <laughs> in some instances. It felt like it dragged on forever, but then at the <laughs> same time, when I look back, I'm like, where the freak did this year go? Oh yeah. Yeah, 2023 flew by, and it was it was a weird one for me for hunting season too, because normally I'll have every year I'll have a tag in the late November or even even in December, mm-hmm. and uh, this year I was I was done hunting by the end of October, so like it was it was a weird hunting season. I felt like I was just getting started when it ended for me this year too. So yeah, it's been it's been kind of a goofy one, um, you know. Yeah, I mean overall though, yeah, the year just just sailed by. Yeah, I had the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> I didn't start hunting till late September. Normally, for me, a normal year would be like, you know, uh, blacktail hunting in California in July. Right. Then deer hunting somewhere in August, either Arizona, Nevada, Utah, you know, sometimes even early September, I'd go to Wyoming and do, you know, a mule deer antelope hunt. But my first hunt was, was Idaho for elk, and it absolutely sucked. The hunting sucked and the trip was just, there was a lot of nonsense going on that made it a lot more difficult to enjoy, you know? And, um, right. so really, I mean, my first like actual hunt and my only harvest up until that point was I went whitetail hunting in New York. Oh um, yeah. And then I came back and my, what my first trip was, I usually hunt for five days for myself and then I guide for the remaining time that I'm there in South Dakota. So I went five days, didn't shoot something. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm 
you know, this is my second hunt, my third hunt, <laughs> right. really technically my third hunt. And I'm not going to go home with anything. Well, my, my clients all tagged out quick, like two days, we got them all done. And so I had, I had two days extra to hunt for myself. So I hunted and then the last morning I ended up shooting a, you know, a medium muley buck. I, I think, right, I, I think right. I just shot him at a, you know, out of frustration almost. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I, it right. definitely would have been a buck that would have passed up. And I didn't like, I was just like, there's a buck, 19 yards. I'm gonna shoot it. Right. Yeah. There's sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I did, there's there's yeah, a certain point of the hunt where you get to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I did that. And actually I did that in, uh, in New York as well. Like I, yeah. I had it in my head. I'm like, first off, I was going to bring my recurve and I didn't. I was like, all right, I'm just going to bring the compound. And I had a buck the second morning just like appear. I don't know. Like I don't even – I didn't hear him. I didn't hear – like right. and, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shit, there's a buck in my stand. And I just drew back. I didn't even look at him. I just drew back and I shot. Like right. it was the weirdest – and I was like, what did I just do? I don't even know what the hell this buck was. And he, you know, he was not, he was not a big buck. So <laughs> this year has been, yeah, I'm hoping, uh, hoping to redeem myself here a little bit in, in, uh, in January and Mar yeah, uh, yeah. Mar yeah. and, uh, a little bit in December, maybe I'll go Havelina hunting or something, uh, for yeah, an over counter, go. but yeah, it's, uh, definitely not a, a typical year for me. I'm used to, you know, eight to 10 tags a year and only go on three hunts. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Throwing you off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. There's my phone. I'm getting, calling me. Anyway, so let's, um, let's dive into Arizona first. Let's start off with this. Is there, is there any changes to the Arizona draw, you know, rules or how things are ran? Right. Yeah. In the last year or so. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. No, no changes going into this year. Um, you know, everything's going to be just the same as it were last year. Okay. Uh, it's looking like they haven't officially announced anything yet, but just going off the status quo with how they move things. February 13th is going to be the draw deadline for this year. Um, they'll generally announce your credit card deadline update around the draw deadline date. They've actually been kind of late on it past few draws, but um, generally it's going to be within the couple weeks after that. So you need to make sure that you have your credit card updated at that time or, or whatever card is on file is up to date and current. Otherwise you, you might miss out on getting the tag. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yep. Which I've done one time before <laughs> I got a really nice tag too. And I, Oh man. That almost actually happened to me in Montana with my moose tag last year. Oh, really? Well, it was the craziest thing. Like, I didn't even know that I drew the tag. Like, I never got any kind of notification that I drew a tag. Mm -hmm. I got a notification that, hey, go update your cards. And I logged in there and I'm like, there's a tag here? I'm like, what? I drew a moose tag, <laughs> and, and my and my card was gonna expire. Like so, it right. had been paid for. I had to pay for that tag. But luckily, there was some kind of grace period or whatever, and I was able to make that happen. But right, yeah, that's wild. So let's talk about the how. I've covered this many times, but it's right. I'm, I'm just been a while since people have probably heard it. Let's talk about how the Arizona system works. You know, talk about the bonus points and you know how to, how to view it, the the choices and how they do their their drawing and so on and so forth. Which I'm, I'm going to go on record right now and say I think out of all the point systems and draw uh, that I put in for, it's to me, and I don't know, maybe it's bi I'm biased, but I think it's the best system out there. But yeah, I. I'm in agreement with you, man. When it comes to like any of the point system, Arizona is one of my favorites. But also, that's coming from the aspect of I'm not a guy that typically is going to carry a lot of points in a lot of states. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certain states you can't get away from that from. But I, I like to just do a lot of hunts and experience a lot of different Same things. Here. I'm doing yeah, a lot of you know, zero to three point type hunts. You know, so for Arizona, for me, mm -hmm. money state. Just yeah. kind of on a, on a just a real big base overview. In Arizona, twenty percent of your tags are going to go to your highest point holders, and then eighty percent of the tags are going to go random, which is is crazy. That's like basically opposite of how every other state operates, right. where the vast majority of your tags in Arizona are going to the random draw. 
what that means is when you're looking at draws um, for a given hunt, there's going to be a certain point level where there is a 100% draw, meaning that if you have this amount of points and you put into this tag, you know, you're, you're going to draw this tag. But below that 100%, you're going to have a random odd, which is all those 80% of the tags that are then drawn out. So even, even knowing, you know, say whatever you're looking at, you know, X and Y hunts, and let's say, you know, the first thing you're looking at generally takes 10 points to draw. Even if you don't have 10 points, there's always a legitimate chance of you drawing that tag, mm-hmm. even at zero points. You know, so, so Arizona is a state that we always recommend, like, when you go into apply, you have the option to either build a point, apply for a point only, or you have the option to apply for your hunt. Even if you don't have enough points to, to draw the hunt on paper, right. it's always worth applying for the hunt because you could pull that tag. Right. Um, you know, really the only reason I would say, you know, to, to do the point only option would be number one, if you didn't have the time slot at all to make that hunt happen this year and you just needed to build your point. You know, or two, there's there's environmental conditions. If you're a guy with max points, you don't want to draw an oak tag on a drought year. You know, so there's there's some factors that play in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, overall, that eighty percent split for random tags in Arizona is is very generous, especially if you're looking at the opportunity type hunts in Arizona. Uh, I've drawn three tags that generally take around five to six points. I've drawn all of them on zero points. Right. Um, you know, so, so there's definitely some good things to to watch for in Arizona. Yeah, and, um, I, and I think. As an out-of-state person, there's certain hunts that you actually have better chance to draw than an in-state person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, there's certain areas where you got to watch that, and a lot of that comes into play with your non-resident up to 10% cap quota. Mm-hmm. If you're not exceeding that 10% total quota as a non-resident, sometimes your odds can get can get pretty damn good in some of those hunts. Yeah, yeah, uh, like. Oh, I feel like if I say it, I'm going to ruin it. But there is hunts that get applied for a lot by residents. But as an out-of-state person, you're like, I'm not going to Arizona to do this. Right. I, you know, if I'm going to get, I'm going to get an. Well, speaking of elk, okay, so elk's one of them. You know, when you think of Arizona, you want to come for the rut. You want to experience, you know, bugling bulls, and right, that's why you come right. to Arizona for. But some of those other hunts that are not non-rut hunts are kind of overlooked by oh totally yeah you know there, you know there's there's definitely associated challenges that come with them you know a lot of the the opportunity type hunts in arizona for elk are going to be your later hunts you know so you're hunting a post rut bull that that is comfortable in a nasty canyon he doesn't want to come out of it you know so they're in rough areas to hunt um you know you're dealing with you know archery equipment or you know there's some rifle hunts and whatnot you know so there's there's kind of a barrier of entry but at the end of the day like that's an arizona tag in your pocket mm-hmm. um you know that generally you can draw on a handful of points a lot of those late hunts are, are pretty readily available to the non-resident right and again i guess i think it's people are you know there's a lot of people out of state applying but they're applying for the for the golden goose you know definitely definitely so. well it's a, you know one common thing you get a lot is you ask people about Arizona mule deer and, you know, everybody thinks of this, you know, the strip, you know, these giant bucks, but you know, in all reality, the, the actual areas that produce the, you know, the giant, giant bucks that people typically associate with Arizona is fairly minimal compared to the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a lot of things kind of get overshadowed and yeah, you know, people, you know, they just think Arizona and they, they assume giant elk, giant, you know, bucks and, and antelope and lots and lots of points, but you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of cool, fun opportunity hunts there. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, have this conversation with people that apply with me all the time. I'm like, yes, you can go to a unit 10 or, or, or 23 and you're going to, there's a higher chance that you're going to see a 400 inch bull. You're going to see more three sixties, more three eighties, but there's literally a 400 inch bull in every unit in the state. Mm -hmm. And the same goes (laughs) like for mule deer, you know, yes. If you get draw a strip tag, the, the opportunity to find a 180, 190, 200 inch buck is greater, but there is that caliber deer in every unit. It's not like there's genetic pockets throughout the state that don't produce that at all. Right. Yeah. You got good habitat. I mean, even I did, I did a uh, over the counter January hunt here a few years ago, the archery hunt, mm-hmm. and we were in a we were in a pretty cruddy unit unit, and we found I mean a really nice like mid seventies buck, with a bunch of stickers, yep, um, you know, really cool buck, and yeah, in a, in a you know a junk unit for lack of better terms, um, yeah, there, I mean, there's always potential, you know, and then the other thing too that that's been like cool for me mm-hmm. is I, I grew up in Western Montana, Northern Idaho, so I mean I grew up north, I was you know, an hour from the Canadian border. Mm. 
you know, so for me, like going anywhere in, in Arizona, like it's just, it's cool, different stuff that I've never done before. And that's actually I tell people all the time too, because, you know, a lot of these, these easier to draw tags are again, later in the year, you know, talking November, December, which in a lot of areas in Arizona, it's a very cool time of the year to be out exploring things. You know, temperatures are very nice. Um, you know, and it's just, it's a different landscape down there. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of cool things to experience if, if you're not used to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to, clarify something too about the points mm-hmm. the way the points yeah. work in arizona and i'm going to explain it in layman's terms and you you let me know if i'm i'm uh, saying this correctly or if I'm, I'm incorrect about it so the thing too about the random draw let's say you have 10 points basically if you have 10 points that means you can stick your name your hand in the hat 10 times and pull out 10 pieces of paper and on those 10 pieces of paper, there is a number from one to how, however many people have applied. Mm-hmm. And you get the lowest number out of your 10 that you put your hand in there. So if you put your hand in there and you draw, you know, number 10, the likelihood of you getting a tag is very good. If there's, mm-hmm. you know, assuming there's 10 tags. If you put your name in there and you draw out number 10,000, is your lowest number, the likelihood of you getting a tag is zero, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Correct. And then along with that, you also have on your application is you have, you have two hunt choices Mm -hmm. that they're going to consider simultaneously, you know, so your, your number comes up, they're going to look at your hunt, your number one choice. And if that hunt doesn't have any tags available, Mm -hmm. you might get placed into your second draw. Right. Um, you know, so a lot of times you have, you have to kind of think about that and you want to tear that out. You don't want, you don't want to do a, you know, a hunt that's going to be, you know, undersubscribed every year. It's hundred percent draw. You don't want that as your first choice. You know, when a lot of times, you know, you kind of get this, this backdoor method people speak of in Arizona, but you get, you get a credit card charge. You have no idea which tag that was for. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of times you have a hunch, you know, but, but yeah, a lot of times you'll get a charge and it's, you still got to wait another couple of weeks or what have you to find out exactly which tag you drew up those. Two. Yeah. It's either your first or your second. So I, I mean, right. what's the, well, let's, let's continue on with this for a second. Isn't there, doesn't it also mean like, let's say you put your second choice, you have a hundred percent chance of drawing. Uh, like, I don't know, whatever, something that goes unsubscribed every year or whatever. Right. And your first choice is whatever. You're going to draw the second choice no matter what? Generally, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, it depends on what that first choice on is, you know, but but let's say, yeah, I mean, throw, you know, you put a unit 10 early archery tag or something as first choice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whatever, just, I mean, I guess elk is not a prime example. There's not a lot of undersubscribed elk. No, there isn't any, elk, actually. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically, we got an elk tag that's just trash and it's 100% odds every year. There's always leftover tags. Mm-hmm. You put that as your second choice. Yeah, huge, huge, huge odds you draw on that second choice tag. Massive odds. But the other thing, too, that you need to think about on that is if you are a guy that's like unit 10 early archery is the Arizona elk hunt for me and there's no other hunt that's going to you know satisfy it, mm-hmm. don't list a second choice hunt because yeah. like it's a very high likelihood you, you might draw that in the process of doing this. You know, so, yeah, you, you know, you got to use a little bit of, you know, tack going in Arizona and kind of figure that out. But having those two hunt choice options, it, it adds kind of an interesting, you know, part to your to your application strategy. Now, let me ask you this, and I've heard this set up several times that you put the same hunt choice for first and second. Does does that change anything? Like I, I yeah, I've I've heard people say that too. I've never seen anything in the data that that you know like doubles your chances or anything like that. Um, you know, for the most part, I think they just wash at that point. But yeah, I I we've looked through data trying to do that um you know so for for when we are processing our draws in arizona we should to buy a report from the state mm-hmm. it gives us all the information of all the applicants everything we need you know so we, we have the ability to look at where everybody's first choice app second choice that type of thing you know and going through it uh you, you'll see that from time to time but yeah i've never seen where it actually added an advantage to it yeah that's why I, I i couldn't understand that i've heard several people especially like old timers tell me that and right and i'm like well i don't I don't see how that helps, but right. <laughs> I would say, I would think if anything that hinders you, right? Because if there wasn't tags available for your first pass, they're not going to be yeah. there for the second pass. You, yeah, you lost your second opportunity essentially. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's what I was thinking. The um, the outlook. What kind of a, are you getting any feedback yet? I know we haven't. We're not even through this whole year here. <laughs> right. And it's 
you know, it's hard to look into a crystal ball, but. Right. We're, yeah, we're kind of waiting right now. It was kind of a weird year in the Southwest where like we had, we had a lot of, a lot of moisture early, you know, end of the winter. And, mm-hmm. and then it, it got dry, it got really dry and the monsoons were late. And then finally, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, like real far South Texas, but here in Southern Utah, like in, in August, it was crazy wet. Like it, it was, it was way colder than, you know, we hit, we, in the five years I've lived down here, we've had um, really, really wet, low temps. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of moisture late, but it was, you know, it, was only, it helped in the, helped in the feed department, but not so much in the horn growth from the feed department. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so last year, yeah, it was shaping up to be a banner year and then it was just kind of mediocre yeah um, you know i mean we're still kind of waiting winter's been pretty late this year i mean there's been some areas obviously been getting pounded pretty hard but overall it's it's been pretty it's still late 75 degrees here yeah we were just talking about that crazy. my life and i mean we finally here in, in southern utah we've been getting down into the teens here this past week but i mean even all through through our deer hunts it was in the 70s every day mm-hmm. <laughs> the end of october like, i mean it was, it was warm this year um, you know, so we're, yeah, we're kind of hanging on and waiting to see what, you know, what moisture is going to be like. And that's kind of king in Arizona with your horn growth, um, you know, getting, but, but you kind of need that throughout, you know, you get that early, early moisture and it's great for that initial horn growth, but man, if it tapers off your, you know, your top end and all your bowls is toast. Um, you know, so yeah, we're kind of, kind of waiting. I, I wouldn't expect it to be a horrible year by any chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but, you know, is it going to be a banner year? That's what we're kind of waiting on yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's always hard to tell. <laughs> You know, there's always a little buzz, people talking about it, you know, if right. you had, if you had good, good, uh, feed from this point to this point, usually that means that antler growth is going to be good, you know, for the season and this and that. I, I don't know if I subscribe to any of it and I honestly, I really don't even, I try to avoid droughts, obviously, like during right. the actual hunting season. Although sometimes those can be very good because you can hunt water, <laughs> you know, right, when you're in right. the Southwest, then, then they're kind of tied to it. But, you know, I, I don't really, I don't know if I really, I'm just going to go out there and hunt no matter what. Right. Yeah. So. To me, it's kind of like even like the whole moon phase thing. I mean, like you, you can feel the difference in animal movement on a full moon, you know, yeah. versus, versus a new moon. But at the same point, I'm not, you know, I'm never like, yeah, you know, full moon, I'm not going to go out today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm still going to go out. And, you know, I'm at a point, you know, as far as in my life and, you know, in, in hunting and all that, where, I mean, I, you know, I enjoy killing a mature animal, but like, especially when it comes to elk, like, I, I, I like to eat elk. I'm an opportunity type person with elk. You know, for the most part, like, if it's illegal elk, I'm probably going to go after it. Right. You yeah. Know, so for me, like, you know, drought conditions, poor horn growth, that kind of, I mean, yeah, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me personally as much as it might somebody else. Right. You know, but again, it's just how, how I hunt, how I approach things, you know, it's different than somebody that's, you know, again, kind of wants that, that unit 10 early archery, you know, yep. he's watching that stuff hard. Yep. Absolutely. It my, my, I'm going to throw, inject this in there. My, my take on the moon phase, you know, if I have a hunt and it falls between an unfavorable moon and it falls between an unfavorable moon, but if I can choose my dates and I can avoid the moon, I usually do. That's oh, yeah. That that's where I'm. You know, like, listen, hey, you show up. These are the only five days you can hunt. The only seven days you can hunt. Whatever, and the moon's shitty. Yeah, I mean, it is what right. it is. I'm not gonna I'm not go on the hunt because of a crappy moon. But I try to, like, even when I'm planning for for the draw, I'll look ahead right now to see what the moon is during that season. And right. if, you know, like in Arizona, it's a big thing for me because. It's so damn hot here, even in September, mm-hmm. that the moon plays a huge role. Hell, Definitely. if they if they could stay up all night when it's cooler, they're gonna do it. You know, but a place like I don't know, Idaho or Montana, it's probably not as big a deal. Yeah, definitely. And you know, so I, I definitely I definitely look at that and I take that into consideration like when I before I apply this year in Arizona, because I think According to Gohunt, I'm got like a ninety. I think I'm up there, ninety percent, yeah, or better, yeah. to to draw a tag this year. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm think I'm, I know I'm either at or one point away from being a hundred percent to draw the tag that I want in Wyoming. Okay, in Wyoming, perfect. So either or, I'm going to look at those and kind of 
pick and choose my battle here. I may shoot for the stars here in Arizona instead of going for the unit that I would like to right. hunt. Like the, you know, I'm not trying to go for a 20. I might go for a 23 because if I draw it, then, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'll, right, I'll, right. I'll, I'll deal with my wife then when I have to tell her I'm going on two hunts this year in September. But, you know, so I'm going to look at that. But I'll, and I will take into consideration, well, you know what? This might not be the year for me to want to draw this tag because of the moon phase falls right in Arizona. Right. And I could draw this other tag. So I might do that instead. You know, that's kind of like part of my tag strategy. Yeah, definitely. And that's where, like, you know, it speaks to having a plan and kind of knowing, you know, like, you know, for the most part, usually kind of like my general plan is I'll have all the states that I know I need points to draw tags in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start talking, you know, Montana with the preference point system, Wyoming, um, things like that. And those are kind of worked into like a rotating like five-year plan for me. And then and then on the off years, I have kind of states that I know that I can get a tag in if I need to. Or you have a chance in, you know, so the Idaho OTC game. Um, right. Or getting in Utah, Colorado, or, you know, throwing kind of a wild card in on Arizona. You know, there's, there's always, you know, having, having kind of the base knowledge set to know where those are, it can really keep you in the chips year after year. And then it gives you those options of, you know, like you're just talking about, like, hey, there's, there's a full moon, right? And especially when you're talking to a state like Arizona where, you know, in some of these hunts, I mean, you got, you know, a week, week and a half season or whatever. You know, knowing like, hey, full moon is through the duration of this season this year. Let's mm-hmm. you know, let's do one of my other two contingency plans. Right, exactly. And come back. It's up to maximize what you're getting out of your points. Yep, hundred percent. Trying to think, is there anything else we need to like hit on 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 Arizona specifically? Right, Arizona is a fairly like straightforward yeah. state. I guess the main thing like coming up for like so the February thirteenth draw deadline. You're talking you're talking antelope and elk. Mm-hmm. Um, your deer, sheep. Uh, Haveline and all those, you have separate draw deadlines um, for those in the summer and in the fall. But right. so specifically this this winter drawing, the mid-winter drawing, deer or antelope and elk, you know, with the elk, lots of opportunity there if you're looking. Um, you know, on that, on that random side of the draw, there's a lot of hunts that are going to be, you know, 10 to 15 or percent or north of that at zero points. Like there, there's some good opportunity there. Antelope, unfortunately, like it's such a glamorized animal in Arizona because they're giant, and yeah. like your, your yep. random odds are are just trash for pretty much everything in antelope. You know, for the most part, you're pretty much banking on you need enough points to draw the tag, right? You know, so yeah, I did you know, draw it. I did draw it oh, on the okay. random Heck back yeah. in 2014 or 13 or 14. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, and I actually didn't get one, which was oh yeah, it was the stupidest thing too because I only I only spent four days hunting because I didn't think that I was going to draw and I already had booked another hunt. I was going to Wyoming. Oh, yeah. I was going to Wyoming for antelope and deer, so I spent four days. I did send an arrow that I missed. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a, a stupid arrow, and um, yeah, and, and I. I went to Wyoming and I shot an antelope and a buck and I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, I had an Arizona tag. Why didn't I like, you know, <laughs> right. stupid, like really dumb. Like, I, I don't know. Like I could go to Wyoming where I hunt antelope every year pretty much, you know? Right. Which but, that does bring up a good point. Not that, not that I would have went this route maybe if, if I had the Arizona tag, but when you are applying in Arizona, because this is one of the earliest draws of the year, pretty mm-hmm. much is. Wyoming's a couple weeks ahead of it. But because Arizona draws so early, you know, a lot of times it's hard to know, like, you know, maybe you're sitting on 10 points in Colorado or, you, you know, or, or, you know, you got a bunch of points in Montana or you already picked up an OTC tag in Idaho or something. Mm-hmm. You can do what's called point guard in Arizona. Yep. Which essentially it's, it's cheap. I think it's, they might have raised, I think it's 10 bucks now for each app. Or basically $25 you now you can oh yeah that once. is yeah you're yeah, correct. That one covers you for the whole yep. year all your tags um yeah all your apps yep so you pay your point guard fee and let's see draw the tag can't do the hunt you need to turn the tag back in mm. get your points back yep. which it's it's a cheap investment to save your points and it adds a really nice cushion if if like i said if, if you think there's potentially you could get our tag somewhere else this year mm-hmm. you know our plans could change a point guard's a really good way to go I, i've used it already twice <laughs> this year Heck yeah. I, oh, I, really? I literally Heck yeah. yesterday ter- turned in my sand hill crane tags uh for me personally and i turned in my wife she drew a rut hunt coos deer hunt in december in a mm-hmm. unit that i know very well would have been a sweet hunt 
but uh, yeah. things are going on that we couldn't find, you know, like I was going to be able to go for two days with her and I was like, you know, right. but we're not going to do this tag justice. So let's turn it in. And there's a, there's a guy out here by the name of Eddie Corona and he runs a nonprofit called outdoor for all i believe um and i donate whenever i have a tag that i can't use i donate it to him they he works through it does your point guard stuff for you and then that tag goes to either a child disabled or veteran and very cool it's kind of a cool system yeah that's awesome it's perfect yeah i need to i need to get back down there for coos deer after i i killed my last one i swore that my next coos deer would be in mexico Hmm. But, uh, man, I, I mean, after last year, there were some giant goose killed all over the place. And, like, it's just – it's gotten me bad again. I need to get back down there. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the fence this year whether or not I'm going to target a coos buck or a muley with my archery right. tag. But right. I don't know right. yet. I've not tried coos with a bow yet. I know I know it's an exercise in frustration, but it is. I've not tried that. It is. <laughs> I, well, I'm, so I've been living here since 1991. And I have yet to kill one over a hundred inches, right? With my bow or my rifle, to be honest with you, I've got two that are very close. Right, uh, they're just under with a rifle, and that's because I got this crazy itchy tr- trigger finger. But I've guided, <laughs> I've guided like I think the last time I counted was eleven bucks wow over 100 inches yeah that's stout for arizona too but yeah man they're just like they're so cool looking and you just get like kind of that classic like 85 to 90 inch four point they're just so pretty and i can't can't help myself hard deer to pass especially if i got a bow in my hand i cannot pass that right oh yeah yeah i couldn't do that yeah my biggest with with a bow is 93 inches so oh yeah that's a great buck yeah he's a great buck i'm but i i just can't I can't beat that. You know that point. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do <laughs> Yeah, that. that's that's always the hardest pill to swallow because you look at some of these ranches in Mexico, you know, and they're passing like, you know, one tens like their bottom end. You know, mm-hmm. they're passing a lot of these bucks and you're just like, good golly. Yeah. Yeah. I guided down to Mexico a couple times and uh, very cool. That'd be awesome. I I still have some good ranches over there that I have access to, but I just don't like dealing with all the BS that's involved with going to Mexico. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's talk. Let's start talking about Wyoming here a little bit. Yeah. And uh, try to pick this part. So let's talk about their draw system, which I think. Yeah. I think Wyoming is one of, first off, one of the most convoluted draws out there because, for one, as a non resident, like unit two, well, I'm just throwing out an arbitrary mm-hmm. number here. Unit two for elk is not unit two for antelope or, or right. deer. Like <laughs> they all have different boundary. Like it's, you know, it could be 22 and, and, and one species and 19 and another, you know, it's very, right. very convoluted. So, but I'll let yeah, you take it's very, it. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much a different like GMU map for every species. And then along with that, like, any of the GMUs that coincide in the same area, say we're whatever we're standing in Cody, Wyoming right now, mm-hmm. you know, even though you have a deer, elk and antelope unit there, they all have different boundaries. <laughs> like it's yeah. not like, you know, you drive 10 miles this way and you might be hunting just elk and, and antelope, but you drive 30 miles this way and you hunt all three. Like, yeah, th- you know, there's some goofiness there for sure. So Wyoming's draw system is basically they're split pretty much opposite of Arizona. So Wyoming does their preference point state. 75% of the tags are going to go to the highest point holders. And then the remaining 25% of the tags are going to be drawn random. So again, you do have a random draw in Wyoming, but 25% of the tags are random versus the 80% of the tags that are random in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so 75-25 split in Wyoming. And along with that, you also have a difference in what they call the special draw, which is a, is a higher price point draw. We'll jump into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the regular draw. The regular draw gets 60% of the tags for a total area in total and the special draw gets the remaining 40% of the tags. So under one hunt, you have two potential application pools that you can go into. Mm -hmm. One has a higher price point to to get into kind of a barrier of entry, but typically better odds. The other one's a cheaper tag cost, but it's going to have more applicants in it because it's cheaper. You know, so you kind of got both ways to go. Wyoming is a nice state for me though, in that 
that random side of the drawing is so little that like you can you could draw a tag on random and get lucky, but generally you can't count on it a lot. Mm-hmm. Wyoming's a state that I approach as I know I'm going to need this amount of points to draw this tag with 100% certainty, and that's how that state works into my plan. You know, so for me, I really like the Wyoming General Elk tag. It's generally taking around four to five points. Um, I think this year was at the less than five point level. You know, so for me, I'm not going to apply to Wyoming until I have five points or I have a buddy with more points than me and we average out and we can party for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but see, you kind of. So, so the, do, do they do, Wyoming. they do, uh, they just take both numbers and they divide by two if it's two of you on an application, right? Like, like Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Do they round up yep. or round down? Uh, they're actually going to take your whole marginal point level. So let's say let's say I had two points and you had three, so we had five points. We'd actually go in at two and a half points. Oh, okay. Um, so you'll see that quite often. I mean, you, you'll see some weird combos like you know two point one three points and two point six points, two point five points. You know, you'll mm-hmm. you see a lot of different, and that's all your your group averages that come out into play. So that's where like I was just I was just noting, and I'd have to double check this answer. I'm not officially stating this, but I want to say that the general elk tag this year is at the less than five point level, meaning that from 4.1 to 4.9 that's where everybody was drawing the tags at and up got it you know so you'll have some marginal levels there but as a as an individual applicant you'll always be on on a whole level you know point one two three four etc okay gotcha makes sense do and i can't remember does wyoming have how's the first choice and second choice work aren't they different yeah Yep, they are. Yeah. So Wyoming is a first choice only state, meaning that they're going to go through everybody's first choices first. And then if any tags are remaining from the first choice round, then they'll start issuing second choice tags. So second choice is almost kind of like a leftover license to that effect, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, They do have a separate drawing. Once everything's been gone through, they do have a drawing for leftover licenses Mm -hmm. at that point as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That occurs later in the year. And then they go to a first come first over the counter sale. But um, yeah, for the most part, Wyoming first choice tags. Okay, because what well, they give you option to do four, right, or five? Um, four, I believe. Four, yeah. I'd have right. to double check. I think it, I think it's four. Now, um, one of the things that I always had a hard time with is they have hunt types also. Yep. Yep. There's like one. It was like one through five or, or one through nine. I don't even remember. There's so many. Yeah, so and it, it'll vary some from like species to species as far as like what each hunt type means. Mm-hmm. So typically for elk, you're gonna for for like bull licenses, you're gonna see a type one, a type two, or a type three. Okay. Type ones and type twos are generally going to be your primary rifle hunts and illegal weapon hunts. Mm-hmm. A type three in a lot of instances is gonna be like a spike only tag or like an antler restricted tag. Some type of a restricted tag is a type mm-hmm. three. Um, then you're going to jump up from there. You have type fours and type fives, which are what's called a full price antlerless license. Okay. So with a full price antlerless license, if you draw one of those, the tag cost is exactly the same as a bull cost. It takes your points if you draw the tag, etc. So it's just it's just like applying for a general oak tag, but it's cow only. Got it. Um, so from the fours and fives, he jumps up to a type six and a seven, a type six and a seven is an antlerless elk, but it's what's called a reduced price. So these are kind of cool tags, the reduced price antlerless hunt, mm-hmm. those use a totally random draw. So there's no point system, uh, involved in there and the tags are cheap. They're like, it's like 298 bucks, I think for the cow tag. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, if you draw those, they don't touch your points. So those can be really cool hunts to just, you know, as you're building points in Wyoming, if you still want to go hunt that state. Yeah, learn, learn their unit. Or something, mm-hmm. Cheap tag. Yeah, exactly. If there's a type six or seven available in the unit, say if you're chasing a limited quota unit, try to draw a couple of cow tags for a couple of years ahead of that, go out there and hunt it for the cheap and, you know, scout as you're hunting. You know, it's, it's a cool opportunity. Right. Um, and then you're also going to have your type nines. Type nines are archery only tags in, in, in Wyoming. Okay. Yeah. And that's the type nine is archery only. Is that good for only the early season or if there's multiple archery seasons? In most instances, I'd have to look through the regs. In most instances, it's going to be your standard archery hunt September 1 through September 30. Okay. Um, you know, there might be some like later dates associated with a few of those, but for the most part, yeah, it's your typical September archery hunt for elk. Right. Now, is there, if I can't remember if this is true or not, um, if you drew a type one, you can purchase the archery license and come during archery season and then you come, yep. go back for the general season? 
For sure. Yeah. If you draw any of those tags, mm-hmm. a lot of times, for the most part, the easiest way to think about Wyoming is that every tag you're applying for, other than the Type 9, mm-hmm. every tag you're applying for is a rifle hunt. In most instances, a lot of those rifle hunts are going to have an attached archery season as well. In order to hunt that archery season, you just need to buy your non-resident archery stamp. Mm-hmm. And then you can go out and you can you can hunt the archery hunts themselves. So cool thing is you can go out and you know say financially if you could swing it you could do an archery hunt in September. Say if you don't kill a bull you could go back and go rifle hunt. Right. Or depending on where you're at, a lot of spots of rifle hunt begins September 15th. So you could go in and hunt for a week with your bow and then go to sleep one night the next morning, pick up your gun and start rifle hunting. You know, so so there's some kind of cool opportunity there where Wyoming doesn't really pigeonhole you to, you know, are you going to rifle hunt, are you going to muzzle hunt, bow hunt, you know, whatever. You just you get the tag and then whatever you can hunt any applicable season that comes with it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So is the type one, is that usually on a limited quota or that's only on the general tags then? Yeah, so yeah, your type ones, type twos, those are all going to be limited quotas. Um, the general tags are going to come out of their own their own special pools. Okay. Um, you know, and then you'll have some splits there. Um, you know, that, that jump out. But yeah, yeah, totally separate application pool. Same points. Um, you know, whether you're going for a limited entry tag or a general tag, it's all it's just the elk point. Um, you know, so there's no difference there. But but yeah, different different quotas at that point. Okay. Yeah, the other the other big one would be the the new special draw license fees going into this year. Okay. Um, so, again, to kind of jump into that, we mentioned before you have the, you have the special draw, which is the forty percent of the available licenses, and you have the regular draw, which is sixty percent of the available licenses. Mm-hmm. Basically, with those, the special draw carries a much higher uh, application tag fee like setup right. than yeah. And this year they they went way up. Uh, they went way way up. Um, and basically the reason they did this was it gives you kind of like an elite application pool, if you will, in the special. And it typically, yeah, you're paying more money, but you generally have better draws. A lot of instances, it, it might save you a, a year or two on points. You know, so say maybe this hunt takes me seven points in the regular draw and special, I might be able to get it in five. Generally going to save you, you know, a little bit there. For a long time now, though, the price difference to go from from special to regular, actually I should say regular to special, I mean, it, it was a jump, but it wasn't horrible. And, like, if you really wanted the tag, it was worth it to just put in for special. Right. But in a lot of instances, it got to the point where, I mean, the odds really weren't that much better going into the special draw. And in some instances, you would actually see a hunt was easier to draw yes. on a cheaper tag. Yes. I noticed so, that. <laughs> yeah. So they bumped up the special draw fees last year. Um, they're expensive. I mean, elk, elk went from around twelve hundred bucks to just over nineteen hundred bucks, so like seven hundred fifty dollars increase. I mean, it went way up. Um, so the elk, yeah, the elk tag now is is over nineteen hundred dollars. So you're talking Ooh. almost two grand just for your elk tag um, <laughs> in the special draw. So what that's going to do is it's it's very likely going to drive more applicants into the regular draw pool. So we might start to see some point creep on the regular draw hunts. But it should start driving the odds down on the special side. So you should start seeing tags be a little bit more available on the special side. But again, at a you know at a two thousand dollar price tag for now, yeah, you know, So it's a, it's it's a very expensive application. Um, you know, one of the most pretty much the most expensive elk tag there is. It is. Um, you know, going the special By route. Far, so yeah. you know, if, if you're a guy that can swing those special tag costs, or you know, it's a limited entry hunt you've been building points for fifteen years for. You know, it might be worth it. Um, it. You know, it could be potential there for sure. But you know, for for kind of the everyday guy that's putting on that regular that regular draw, um, you know, it's important to note that some of these hunts are probably going to jump a little bit. Right. So, you you guys at Go Hunt probably don't have good data on that because it's the first year so we don't really know how how bad that's going to affect people correct yeah yeah anything you know at this point trying to like predict it and stuff you know it's just it's gonna be fairly arbitrary just because you don't know you mm-hmm. know how people are going to end up i mean you know how people are going to spend their money i mean who knows you know with the economy i mean it kind of seems like it, you know it's always everybody talks about the economy of tag applications but it seems like hunters are kind of the one group that you know if they applied for this many tags this year and the economy went to crap they're still going to apply for that many tags next year Right. You know, so it doesn't seem like it really touches it that much. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see um, you know, once the data comes out, how much this this you know, this division and that tag cost now is gonna, you know, change things. Well, you know, maybe maybe now that there's a little bit if this if they would have did this last year or the year before, I would say probably not. But now I think people are starting to look at money again like it's actually 
money. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not throwing it yeah. around like crazy, you know, completely off off book. But to give you an example, I was trying to take my family to go on a snowy winter vacation mm-hmm. uh, during Christmas break. And for five nights at a dude ranch, and this was the cheapest, I mind you, I checked in Montana, Wyoming, Utah, um, where else? Colorado. Okay. The cheapest. Take a wild guess of what that would cost me for. I got five five people in my family. So kids five people for five nights. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even. I, I know it's going to be shocking. So I'd guess higher, but I'd, I'd guess at least like 10,000. I At 10,000, I would have did it. It was 38 <laughs> grand. <laughs> oh, my God. 38. Goodness. And that was the cheapest. I, oh my I turned around and I told this lady, I'm like, not for nothing, but I just went to Italy with my, you know, with my family and I paid for half of my parents to come yeah. with me and we were there for almost a month and it just cost me about $30,000. Oh goodness. I'm like for five nights in a state that I'm going to drive to, this was Colorado. Right. And I was like, that's just freaking nuts, man. I, I, so it does it wouldn't surprise me if people paying two thousand dollars for an elk tag. I'm just saying, because I mean, yeah, that kind of you can go to Africa and shoot everything that moves. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, it's absolutely batty. So yeah, uh, you know, would I think there's a, a little bit of an unrealistic uh view of what what money is right now still from, right. from the COVID ever, but right. Yeah. Seriously. It's starting to starting to level out a little bit. Yeah. So, again, my last question to you is, you know, this is not specific to Arizona or Wyoming, but mm-hmm. you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit. What, what are you doing? Like, how are you playing the tag game? You know, yeah. And, and creating opportunities so that you have X amount of tags per year and, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So like I said, like for me, like growing up, I, you know, I lived in West Montana and Northern Idaho kind of bounced between the two, but we always had, you know, this general over the counter tags and get out of the gas station and buy. And like, you know, we, I grew up, I mean, we, we were dirt poor, but we didn't have a ton of money. Like, you know, I, we never did out of state hunts, you know, I just hunted around the house. That's what we did. So, you know, moving down here, like now I live in Southern Utah and I mean, you draw a 10 hour circle around me and I got like a lot of good hunting, you know, right around me. So like now there's like all this new terrain from the experience and, you know, not necessarily new species, but like, you know, different. I mean, the Utah mule deer is different than a Montana mule deer, you know, so it's just different things to hunt. So for me, I'm really, you know, attacking these kind of easy to get into opportunities. You know, there's certain states you just have to build points in, you know, like you talk about Nevada, Utah, you know, some of these states that you just, you're going to need points. Right. Um, you know, but yeah, Arizona's, Arizona's a big opportunity state for me. Colorado is a big opportunity state for me. You know, I, Again, growing up in Montana, like most general units, like 160 inch type mule deer, that's, that's a big buck. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, people people do pass them and kill you know some bigger bucks, but I mean, like if you pass 160 buck, like that might have been one of the top bucks in that unit. You know, so for me, you know, even even Colorado zero and one point units, like I'm hunting bucks that normally like I'd be jacked to shoot in Montana. Mm-hmm. You know, so so like you know, kind of the yeah. I mean, you know, the oyster is my world right now. Like, there's just a lot of cool opportunities. So yeah, you know, I look for a lot of these like zero to two point type hunts. You know, stuff that I can do every couple of years. Um, you know, and kind of just cycle through there. And then a lot of times, I, mean, I have certain hunts that I can count on every year here in Utah. We have our over the counter spike hunts. Um, you know, super laid back fun hunt. Actually, my dad comes down every year for it. It's a good time. You know, so th- there's like certain hunts I can count on. Um, I do dedicated hunter here in, in Utah. So I've got the oh, same gear cool. tag for three years. I can hunt on this. was This was my first year in 2023 on it. So I got a couple more years on that yet. So, you know, a lot of times I'll kind of look at, at my calendar and say, okay, like what are the hunts that I know I can do this year? And then where, you know, where do I have gaps in the calendar that I can fill in with another hunt? Mm-hmm. You know, so for right now, I know like, you know, Utah for, for deer and elk next year, that's, that's a, that's an October hunt. So very likely I'm going to be filling in an archery elk hunt in September. You know, you should try to do an archery elk hunt every year. I got my butt kicked in Idaho this year. So you and everybody else, man. Oh man. It was, you know, I hunted, I hunted one of the, one of the most regarded, well-known over the counter units in the state that everybody Mm. wants to tag in and, uh, or over the counter zones, I should say. Right. 
um, everybody wants tagged there and I got through some pretty fortunate circumstances, but like I've never, I've never experienced more Carl shy elk than I did this year. It was incredible. And I can't complain. I got into elk every single day. I had a phenomenal hunt. Um, I actually passed on a few bulls that I shouldn't have, which was a first for me. Like I said, I'm an opportunity guy with elk, man. If they're legal, usually I'm going to kill them. So I did, I did, I did hold off this year. So I was proud of that, but um, yeah, I got, I got my butt kicked. I just ended up hiking a lot, a lot, a lot of miles. But, you know, so yeah, September archery is always, always on my plate, you know, somewhere that I want to go, you know, Colorado is always there. I'm not really interested in the over the counter stuff in Colorado, but you know, there's some really good draw tags again that you can get on pretty low draw odds in a lot mm-hmm. of places. Um, you know, so there's some good opportunity there. And then also jumping into the November and December hunts and you know, I guess some of those, those late archery hunts in, in Arizona, there are coos deer hunts, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity in that too. Um, and even, even Colorado for that matter. A lot of fourth season oak tags you can draw with hardly any points. Yeah. You know, I haven't utilized Colorado enough. I I don't know why. I have quite a I think I have quite a few points in for deer anyway. Uh yeah. I, I just burned all my points for elk. I drew a I drew a tag last year. I think I had eight points. And it was a great great hunt. I had a lot of a lot of opportunity and it was just it was on me that I didn't get one. But right. um and now you know i want to go back to that unit and haunt it again so it's like man i don't know if i want to wait eight years to hunt colorado again though it's like <laughs> yeah and then wondering if anything's changed you know that yeah that yeah that you have. yeah that's what i've done that a few times there was a coos deer uh area i hunted in arizona a few years ago and me and a buddy went down in in we ended up shooting just a couple of dinks on like day five or six the first year down there. But where we shot those bucks, we kind of we found this spot within a few days of us killing these deer. We ended up finding a bunch of deer in this area. And we were seeing, you know, 30 plus deer in this one basin every morning, which mm. in the area of the state we were in was was damn good. So the next year I ended up drawing the tag the next year. And I mean, I, it was nice because I already, I already knew exactly where I wanted to go. And I ended up hunting the same basin for five days before I finally killed my buck. Um, but just, it was, it was, I was able to kind of start from a long ways back, figure out where the deer were, move a little bit closer the next thing, you know, kind of just continually move in. So it was a fun way to have, you know, here's where I'm going to start and I could really kind of strategically work my way into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's one thing I've always I've told a lot of people that too, is like, you know, finding, finding consistent success in elk. I mean, it, it takes a lot to be a good elk hunter, you know, but a lot of times just hunting the same, even if it's not a great unit, but just hunting the area and learning the area can make you crazy successful. Right. Um, you know, you get into some of these areas, especially like where I grew up in Northern Idaho, um, elk have been just, I mean, just decimated. Oh my right? God. It's so and, bad. Like when I, growing up, like some of the most biblical elk hunting I've ever been in my life and probably stuff I'll never experience again. Mm-hmm. Um, in that area now it's just a ghost town, but the few guys that, that know that area really well are still killing elk every single year. I mean, it's harder for them, but I mean, they're, they're you know, they're still doing it just because right. they know that area so well. So like, even you know, even on these zero and one point hunts, like if you're in a unit that like Colorado is my favorite example. I don't know I might make people mad at this or whatever, but like killing a 180 inch buck is not what you would expect in a zero to one point unit, but it happens in most of those zero to one point units in Colorado every year. Like mm-hmm. Colorado has such good deer habitat that it can produce those types of bucks. You know, so a lot of times just having a tag and being in an area is is good enough for me. And then if it's an area where I can go back and I can hunt every two or three years, eventually I'm going to figure that out. And I'm going to I'm going to kill one of them bucks. Yep, absolutely. You know, so that that's kind of that's how I like to work on things. But I've never had a good tag. You know, it's like I can't. You know, I mean, I'm sure like I can only imagine having you know a bomb or third or fourth season tag in, in Colorado and knowing like I'm going to look over several 160 plus inch bucks today. Yeah, I mean that like, that feeling's got to be just incredible, you know. But but you know, I've never I've never had that, so I still continue to, you yeah. know, to chase these hunts that I have to hunt for seven days on the same tag. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I I get it. Well, you know, and the only way to do that, I think, is so I I do something very similar to you, but I do have I pick like one maybe two states for each species mm-hmm. that I'm just going to build points on you know i'm gonna apply but i'm gonna build points until i get that right awesome tag and then i'm gonna play that opportunity game everywhere else you know what i'm saying right and that's the only way i found like so i have the opportunity to go elk hunting here in arizona 
almost every year, but I'm not going to be the trigger man, you know? So right. I can learn my, the unit. I could spend time. So this is one of the states that I'm definitely building points because to get a specific tag that I want. Now I don't right. shoot for the top tier, you know, top tier hunts. I'm a, I'm a second tier guy when it comes to, to, to Arizona, because again, like I said, I know that there's that quality. I'm looking for a quality hunt, not necessarily looking for rack size. Right. And for sure. yeah, so that's, you know, that's an example or Colorado is another example. Like I put that as my, like I'm building points for, to draw a third season rifle tag. Right. You know, in a primo unit, hopefully. Um, that's, that's kind of what I do. So, you know, 30,000 yeah, for you. Yeah. And that's where, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the hunt anymore for me, like I, I, you know, you always have like kind of these expectations going into it. Like, you know, here's my benchmark buck or bull or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I've, I've found like, as I've gotten older that like a lot of it is, is more based on the experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm more apt to shoot a smaller deer sometimes you know farther away from the truck simply because it was that much harder to get to it you know and you get a lot more joy and excitement out of that versus you know, shooting one off the side of the road or you know whatever just to fill a tag sure i get that um, for sure. you know, and I, I ran into that on my on my utah deer hunt this year um i got my dedicated hunter tag i mean it, it's a it's a great unit in the state there's some giant bucks on this unit and uh i actually had my dad with me which i've, I've not killed a deer with my dad in 13 years mm. and so he was able to come down for the hunt which was awesome and uh, excuse me, I had one morning where I passed two bucks that that were they weren't you know on, on paper they weren't big bucks but they were cool bucks they had a lot of character and you know so one one of them was a big three point on one side which I love a big front fork three mule deer mm-hmm. and uh, I passed on those bucks because when I looked at them I was like oh you know they're you know one fifty one sixty type bucks I want to kill something bigger mm-hmm. and I passed on and I started thinking about it that night. Um, my, my dad has, has Lou Gehrig's disease, which, you know, a lot of people probably don't know about that kind of stuff, but it, it, it's a terminal disease. I mean, he, you know, he's got numbered years and, you know, we have, especially on the hunting side, we have, you know, very limited time. Right. You know, so passed on this buck and I was like, man, what in the hell am I doing? You know, <laughs> like I got my dad with me at back to the buck then me like, this could be our last deer hunt. You know, and then I'm, you know, I'm doing that. And then come to find out, I, I never found those bucks again. Went oh, back wow, looking yeah. for them. And then ended up, ended up killing a buck on the last days, 30 minutes left of light. Ended up shooting a buck. And he, he's just, he's a good solid, like 140 inch, you know, type four, just a representation of a four point mule deer. Hmm. You know, nothing big, but like that, that buck now holds a lot of importance to me, even though, you know, he's nothing big. I'm not going to mount him or anything like that, you know, but like those are the types of experiences that, you know, when I come off a hunt and, you know, you get something like that, I'm like, damn, that was awesome. You know, or, you know, you go by yourself and, you know, yeah, you don't kill a 300 inch bull, but maybe you kill a 260 inch, you know, six point and you did it all by yourself. You packed him out three miles. Like that's a hell of an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where, that's where these, these low point, you know, opportunity type hunts, you know, can have a lot of, you know, zest for you. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, like you say, I mean, when you start talking like, you know, Hey, I want to kill an elk in Utah. Like, yeah, you might draw a random tag, but like, you know, buckle up. That's a 20 year wait. Yeah. <laughs> thing. Like, you know, there's some States like you just, you can't do that. You're going to have to build points and play the system. That's just, that's just is what it is. But you know, once you draw that tag, the quality hunt that you're getting is going to be off the charts. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, those, those are those, those are those special moments that, you know, you always remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lucky for me, I, I played the point game really early. I started, mm-hmm. I got into it, you know, 20 some odd years ago. Right. Applying other places. So I've, I've had some of these hunts that you're talking about. I've, I've hunted in Utah for bull elk finally mm-hmm. during 2017. And, you know, I've, I've got my desert sheep. So like that's a, you know, those once in a lifetime tags, man, you want to talk about putting pressure on yourself. Like those are, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to, I couldn't f- even imagine that. So, yeah, I, I, that's always, I've always, the one example to that I've always talked about would be like having like a sheep tag. I mean, we're really having a sheep tag anywhere, but like a Rocky mountain tag in, in Montana, you know, we're like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, hundred, you know, Rams above 170 are pretty normal, you know, and even a lot of units of Ram above 180 is normal. Um, you know, there's a ton of pressure, you know, having a desert tag in that or something like, yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be interesting having one where, you know, even, or even a unit 10 elk tag. I mean, just anything like that. Yeah. It'd be interesting where, especially for me, you know, like I said, for me, like, I mean, I get really excited over 300 age six point. Like I'm jacked on that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, you got to talk yourself out of it. Fear, 
Yeah, my worst fear would be having a tire like that and having like a 340 bull opening morning walk out in front of me, you know, at 20 yards. Yeah, see, 340 like, would be yeah. tough. That's kind of because oh, yeah. that's still the benchmark of, you know, where, right. where bulls get big. Yeah, opinion. well, yeah, yeah, and there's there's like a definitive, like you go from like a 320, 330 bull to like that 340, 350, and like also yeah. they get real big real fast. And it's the same thing, you're like like 180 inch, you know, mule deer over like it, 165. Exactly. It's crazy. Yep. You know, they get real big real fast. And I, I've talked to a buddy about that recently. Like, you know, like if I kill one 340 bull in my life, like I'd, I'd be happy with that. I'd go out with that. It'd be totally good to go. And that's where, you know, kind of like you're saying, you know, you're kind of that second tier guy. Like, if I was killing, you know, a 180 inch buck and a 340 inch bull, I'd be good. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't need the 190 or, you know, 360 or 370, you know, that type yeah. of thing. So yeah, I, I like those kind of mid road type hunts too. Yeah. I, well, I can tell you this. I've never passed up a shot opportunity on anything 340 and above. So even, no. even in units that I probably should have. And, <laughs> right. and that's why I don't have a 400 inch bulb on the ball. You know? <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. But, you know, well, I'll, I do have I do I have shot a 360. That's my well, just Damn, on that 360, yeah. 358. I think he is. But I don't know. We awesome. never really officially measured him. So, right, but, right. You know, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I live in the uh, the museum of the medium because of that. Like I don't, right. you know, I don't strive for the biggest, the best. I, it, you said it earlier. You know, it's finding the. It's finding the trophy in the experience of what you're doing, you know, and that's Definitely. that's kind of always Definitely. been me too. So. Yeah, you know, one example, like me and an old hunting partner used to joke about all the time was like one of my favorite things to see was like these old boys who had like the garage full of just raghorn elk, but there was like, you know, 40, 40 skull planted bulls in the garage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the dude was just like, just kind of an undercover killer. Right. Like never killed anything great or, you know, but he like just stacked elk and tons of memories. Like that, that's, that's like what I wanted to grow up to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? And, and like, I've always been a firm believer, like, you know, you, you hunt mediocre units long enough. Eventually you're going to kill something nice, you know, and it may not be giant, but it's going to be something you're going to be damn proud of. Right, you know, and, and, and like you know, just it's just time in the woods usually equates equates out to something like that at some point. It might take thirty or forty years, you know, but sometimes it does happen. Exactly, exactly. Well, awesome, man. I want to thank you for coming on and uh, <laughs> sharing the knowledge with us. And uh, yeah, definitely, always, always good chatting with you. Yeah, if you guys don't uh, use Go Hunt, I know we mentioned it a couple of times. And Dave works for Go Hunt. The uh, the tool is amazing, you know. It's definitely upped my uh, tag acquiring skills tremendously. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's where, yeah, like I said, I, I like to use it, you know, again, I mean, it, it helps you plan out things if you're a high point guy, you know, and make sure that you're not, you're not using unnecessary points on hunts that, you know, you draw five and you have 10. Right. It's kind of helps you plan that. Um, but for me and kind of what we've been talking about, these opportunity hunts, man, that's where it's gold. Like I can get on, there's so many hunts I can find and be like, Oh, I didn't, I could draw that with one point. You mm -hmm. know, like, there's just, there's so much you can rake through on that low end, you know, and having all that data just at your fingertips, which I mean, you know, I'm, I'm obviously tooting the horn. I mean, that's what I work on every day, but right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a very cool product, you know, really no matter where you're at in the spectrum of the hunter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, you know, and there's, there's other things too. Like I found ways to use it that helped me not only for the opportunity, but also discern what type of quality of the hunt I'm going to have. Yeah, um, definitely. And I've, I've kind of, I went over this one time before, but you know, I'm probably not going to get into it right now because it'd take too long. But you know, if there's certain data points that you guys give, uh, not just harvest success, because Harvest success to me, I'd look at that and as long as it's above what the national average is, and just call it because I think I'm, uh, right. you know, a good hunter or whatever, yeah. you know, I'm just going to be like, okay, yeah, well, if, you know, <coughs> the average is this, then I can do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But <laughs> it might be cocky sounding or whatever, but I don't, <laughs> no, I do the same thing. I look at that, you know, I definitely look at that because if it's below the national average, then I think it's a you know, there's something might be wrong with the unit. Right. But, you know, I look at a buck to doe or bull to cow ratios. I look at all that stuff that pro the data that you provide and, you know, it's, uh, it's done me well over the years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, it allows you to really, you know, get in there. Like I, I'm a guy that I don't hunt well around 
a lot of other hunters. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a lot of times like Colorado is kind of a struggle for me in areas, you know, so for me, I'm going to hunt a unit that has maybe slightly less harvest success or slightly less public land, but way less hunters before I'm going to hunt a unit that's, you know, got a lot more hunters, but a lot more public land or whatever. Yep. You know, so getting in there and be able to kind of filter those, not just being like, okay, where's the best success, you know, and start from there, you know, but be able to kind of deep dive into some of those. Yeah. I mean, it it helps me find, you know, basically like I tell people that all the time, you need to hunt to your strengths. You know, if, if you're really good at pounding timber and that's what you like to do is still hunt, you know, and you're going to Colorado for the first time, try it out. Right. You know, so I think finding hunts that, that lean into your strengths, you know, which I mean, it's always important to grow too, but, you know, finding the stuff, if you want to be successful, find the stuff that you're good in and, you know, and, and go after that. Right. Right. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Thank you. And, um, we'll got to get you back on with we'll talk about, I think we need to go over Montana and, uh, yeah, that's that's the number one state for questions for me every year by yeah. far, like by far and large. It, it's it, it's such a simple system, but it's got so many dumb rules to that. It, there's a lot just, of rules. There's a lot of so there's a lot of opportunity there. there too. A lot of yep. unknown things and definitely like I definitely. know I know yeah. There's some really good hunts there. They're messing with the point system a little bit over there too. Yeah. So yeah, well, definitely yeah. More than happy to jump on and chat that with you. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.